where two or three are gathered in my name, I am among them. Amen. One of the teenage boys in the at-risk program at the YMCA where I worked after college was different than the rest. His name was Drew, a slender, black-haired youth, bony with a toothy grin that he rarely showed. He spoke infrequently and kept mostly to himself. Unlike the rest, he never shouted out radio stations for me to tune to while riding the van, which is the bane of all van drivers. <laughs> Ask Millie. He also never wholeheartedly joined any of our activities. He would often patiently wait on the outskirts until it was free time. Then he'd go quietly over the basketball court and sometimes bounce a ball. The other teenage boys mostly ignored him, neither bullying him nor interacting with him, but generally they gave him his space. It was like they could not comprehend this person from a different dimension, where all the crudeness that marks this developmental stage was absent. As his counselor, I would try and engage him, asking his interests or how things were at home. He generally kept his answers monosyllabic, yes or no, and he had a way of never quite meeting my gaze. Troubled by his behavior, I pulled aside my supervisor and explained my concerns. She was a far wiser person than me and listened patiently and finally said, when all you do is ask the questions, how can he ever tell you what he needs to tell you? He can only tell you what you want to know, and you have to earn that. Taking her advice, I would simply go and sit in his vicinity during free time. No questions, no comments, no inane observations about the weather. I was just silent, and it drove me crazy. <laughs> Those of you who know me might appreciate this was quite a feat. Given that my own son once told me my only job was to break bread and to talk a whole lot. <laughs> so in the silence, I was out of my comfort zone. I suppose it was some part of my ego that needed to help him, that needed to counsel to hear the inner darkness I suspected lay beneath. Instead, I took my boss's advice and just sat, ready for him to speak, ready for him to tell me what he needed to say. And I remained in silence, assuming he was crafting the words I would need to hear and try and understand, while later realizing that understanding was really about me because his words belong to his story, which is only his to share. As many of you know, today marks off the kickoff to the new Quantania Initiative. And I say new because of its focus, because all souls parishioners have been at work in our community since its beginning, for years and years and years.
The part of this new initiative is going to require a lot of careful engagement with members of a larger community. And some of this work is going to be hard. Some of the things we hear are going to be difficult. And all of this will demand that we stop for a minute and refrain from the usual practices of spending all the time listening and brainstorming solutions and how to fix things, or even mentally engaging in formulating clever questions to ask afterwards. And personally, I believe it will challenge my own disinclination to pay attention to the agony of people right here in our midst, right in our community. And for me, I know it will expose the privilege I enjoy by often getting to play the expert. Because I believe our world is in a lot less need of more and more experts. We need people really and truly willing to be a neighbor and to love those neighbors as ourselves. Which means, as I said last Sunday, an emphasis on true relationships. Because this task before us is not about discovering solutions. It's about discovering each other. On the second to last day of the school year, when I worked at the Y, I was sitting courtside on a bench next to Drew. I watched as he dribbled the basketball back and forth on the asphalt. And the weather was one of those perfect summer days where everything felt free and possible, but I had to wonder if where Drew lived, that feeling could exist. Seeing my furrowed brow, he stopped abruptly and held the ball against his ribcage. He said, you don't say much, do you? And then he finally looked me in the eye. I simply nodded. And then he said, thanks for that, smiling slightly. Now, if this was a movie or a novel or an after-school special, there'd be 80s music that would play. And the camera would pan in to Drew, and he'd continue speaking. And what he'd say to me, he'd say, you're the only adult, the only adult that's ever let me be without forcing me to explain the way I act, the why I'm so quiet. You're the only one. But this wasn't a movie, because life's not a movie. He simply said to me, thanks. And in the silence between us, stood like a wall, with only perhaps the tiniest of cracks. But I always have to remember, even the tiniest of cracks can let in the light. In the gospel today, we heard, whenever two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus promises to be amongst us. This famous saying only reminds us today that the work of bringing God into our midst is always communal. Always communal. Because our Creator God delights in teamwork and abhors loneliness and isolation. This reminds us, for us here, for us in our community, for us in this state, and for us in this country, that our salvation is always communal. And our task before us is to discover the fullness of our community. 
Again, our salvation is communal because Jesus commands the faithful to know and love our neighbors. Our salvation is communal because of you. You here and you out in our community. And we can't achieve this without you. It's the you out there in the world. And the world, I promise you, is starving for relationship. Amen.